Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey everybody, welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we reflect on our former lives and we drink about it or we laugh about it. You know, sometimes the drink is herbal tea and that's just fine because this stuff mm-hmm. is crazy enough as it is. Uh, my yes. name is Justin and I I enjoy, actually I enjoy going back into the memory vault a bit and <laughs> pulling out all the cobwebs, dusting off my Bible and just seeing what happens. So I'm joined with my other my other co-host. I almost called you, uh, like a, I don't know what it was like a a, a poor a po host. I don't know, like po host. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I could, yeah, because it's like it's like uh, what's the term called when you shove two words together? Yeah, podcast host. Yeah, po host. A po host. I like it. My po host. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be a thing, guys. This is the only. It's time. not, but like the fact that the word podcast exists is proof that maybe it would be true <laughs> true in a different timeline hi y'all i'm tori uh yeah former evangelical slash bible person <laughs> hardcore bible person that's what i was and i was i was raised in all of this stuff and then stayed in it because i didn't know how to get out which is why i'm doing this podcast mm-hmm. so hopefully other people have a better idea of like how to get the fuck out there needs to be like the it would have to be Jordan Peele, but there needs to be a remake of Get Out that, but for like evangelicalism. Yeah, I I feel like you can't let them make that movie because then it would just be like I don't know, Forty Eight Hours in Hell or so. I don't know what they would call yeah, it. Yeah, they'd be like <laughs> something like way too on the nose. It'd be like Escape to Hell um, or something. Right, right, exactly. But yeah. folks, it's not a lifeboat, um, but we want to be a lifeboat. So here we are. Um. <laughs> completely out of our depth yeah i was um, gonna say you know i mean a lot of times we you know we'll start off the show doing a this week in evangelicalism or just kind of a whatever is in tori and justin's brain but and a lot of times it's bad news you know it's it's you know there's we, there's not a lot of good news but i feel like this week or the last couple of weeks or you know and this you know, this won't be heard for probably three weeks. So maybe you'll need this good news. You'll be, need to be rem- reminded of this good news. Mm-hmm. But there have been some good things that are happening. Like, I feel like the post-evangelical, not evangelical um, subversion machine has just been really cranking out the hits lately. Oh, um, yeah. And we've been laughing at the we fascists. And I'm enjoying it. 
And the Lord is still speaking through asses. It's amazing. It, it is true. It is true. <laughs> it's the one miracle that God kept. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Every once in a while. Every now and then an ass. Gets, says a thing. Gets, says a thing. And then it becomes a thing. So um, the, yeah. ass, the ass in question was one Sir Sean. Sir Sean Fuket. Fuket. Fuck it. Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's actually pronounced foit. I think it's French or whatever. It's pretentious. I'll say that. It's foit. Okay. Okay. Whatever. It's the most pretentious pronunciation of those words, I think. I mean, we don't even we don't even like the French. N- no. They shouldn't have had a revolution. No. That was rude. Uh, yeah. And and if you're going to I mean, yeah. I mean, thanks for thanks for the revolution, but also like, wow, what a way to do it. I don't usually say there's a way to go too hard, but they went too hard. Sometimes there's a way to go too hard. (laughs) I mean, if you think about the backlash, which was, again, very on topic. Yeah, it was like, if you pull, if you just, if you pull the thing too far back, it's going to go too far forward when Mm -hmm. you finally let go. I think that's just true. I think that's just a true. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much I subscribe to the whole like political spectrums being a circle, but I mean, they did basically go from like, you know, monarchy to revolution. I mean, back to monarchy, you know, with, you know, one mm-hmm. Napoleon and and then back yeah. around again. So they just they they, well, they just they yeah. spun the wheel of political spectrums and they landed all the way around all the way around many, many times. Many times. <laughs> Man. But we're not here to talk about the French this Revolution. Little, this little gem who looks like a particular uh, Kiwi bass player from another band that shall not be named on this particular show. Honestly, he looks a little bit like a young Donald Trump, to be honest, with longer hair. Like I, uh, I okay. well, see, I've heard. I don't know who said this. Some it wasn't me. Talked about like because his he has this kind of comb over going on. This Sean Foyt, mm, and mm-hmm. and you know men men go bald. It happens. You know I'm I'm yeah. thinning as well. But like there's a way to do that gracefully, and then there's like just combing your hair over to try to cover it up. <laughs> your head, um, just swirling it around your head. Um, <laughs> Grow it out long enough on one side, it covers. It can cover. It's like, yeah, I mean, sure. It, I mean, honestly, I think there are lots of great ways to do like a receding hairline. Mm-hmm. Clearly, like Patrick Stewart exists. It's fine, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anyway, there's there's also a way to say like, I'm really ashamed of this. Don't look at me. <laughs> and I think that yeah, maybe Trump and Sean both have that have know. that in common for sure. Don, Don and Sean, yeah, two peas in a pod. Yeah. So, but he announced that that we were surely in the end of days. Surely again in the end of days <laughs> again. How and, many times can we be in the end of days? And I mean, Paul thought we were in the end of days two thousand years ago. So, and I get that a day is a thousand years to the Lord, whatever, but. Whatever day we're in, it's the end. Because <laughs> it's the last of it's them. the last of them. <laughs> so anyway, surely it was in the and, and what was he saying about the end of days? Like what was the signal of the end of days, Tori? Do we have the signs do we have a guess? the signs and wonders of the end times will be <laughs> Yeah. Drag queens with worship songs. hmm Yes. Drag queens <laughs> with worship songs. That are good, by the way. This isn't just like like a kitsch, like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like legit talent totally. here. So this was about Flamy Grant, and he just had, had he was you know he and he kind of like low key kind of rallied people against this, and then there was a a, a call of support, so to speak, just to be like, hey, let's support Flamy Grant. It's it's interesting because yeah, it's like you don't. If you were that secure, you wouldn't need the punch down. Oh, for sure. Yes. You know? And in worship Um, spaces and, like, these spaces, Sean Foyt is always punching down. Like, you know, he's kind of at the top of his game. He's a very successful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. worship leader. For those of you who maybe don't want I think uh, maybe we're taking this for granted, but he was a worship leader that, honestly, I hadn't even really heard of him until COVID. I know he was around, but COVID was when he, he kind of created his whole persona or his brand of like leading worship services unmasked pro covid worship yeah, services pro covid yeah worship services and so that was kind of his like political act of rebellion was like doing these worship services where people weren't wearing masks and i from what i understand it was they were pretty much all outdoors which is better you know than mm-hmm. than being indoors but it was still like he was specifically targeting um, municipalities that had policies in place to mitigate the spread of COVID that included masking mm-hmm. if you were with lots of people. Yeah. Right. So it was this, it was an explicitly political act that he just like slapped Jesus on in order to get more famous. Cause like my, my understanding of him is that he was like originally from the sort of Bethel world. And like me, I could be wrong about that, but like that was sort of my that was sort of my understanding of like where he came from because Bethel has a big like music thing mm-hmm. that they're just sort of obsessed with, and um, which I mean that's fine, but that's also how a lot of church that's sort of like a lot of churches that's how they do their like pivot to mega churchness, yeah, and yeah, so. I think that I think that Sean Foyt is actually a really good distillation of this move from evangelicalism being a label for religious people to it being a political identifier. And yeah, Mm -hmm. that's that's sort of like he was like going to be a warrior for God in the midst of uh, what was it? It was like the fake COVID yeah. isn't real. The germ theory yeah. doesn't he, apply he, yeah, if I don't just, want it to. He ended up just becoming a disease sommelier. And, <laughs> nice. and so, yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's who he is. And he just continues to be and to agitate. And, and so he's, he's punching down at this. Um, I mean, honestly, first off killer name for a, a drag queen worship leader, like Flamey Grant mm-hmm. is, Killer branding. Spot on. Spot on. Yep. yep. 10 out of t- no notes. Um, just, all, all of her branding like that is is great, though. Like, it really is. If you go check uh, out her website. 100%. Actually, I should I should clarify. And Is Flamey Grant a drag queen or trans? I actually don't know. Do you- Oh, so that's a great question. Um, Flamey Grant is a drag queen. Okay. The Yeah. So it's it's she is a character, I guess I will say. And I went looking for, I believe Matt or Matthew is, is the person's name, like, like name that they go by. I've read articles that use he, him pronouns. And I've read articles that use they, them. I, it's not articulated, which is which, but I kind of was like, you know, they're a queer person. They're married. 
yeah so but obviously like for when we're talking about like flamey grant like her music specifically she's a drag queen like she her yeah so but she's i mean yeah she seems she seems really cool but i just yeah punching down yeah not for sure so so it kind of created this kind of like groundswell of support amongst like folks you know like us and then our community or just folks who aren't bigots for, folks that aren't big and and yeah people that weren't even necessarily christians like we're like hey mm-hmm. like we, we should you know let's let's see if we can support this artist and it's it was funny because it was like you know i think the sean foyts were like it'll never it'll never happen and then like i remember like that first day it was like oh like you know flamey grant is beating out like Hillsong or something, you know, like something, you know, not like, mm-hmm. not like a big win, but just like was like number six or something. And then like within a day or two, number one yeah. on the iTunes Christian music charts, like, I mean, and now charting on like billboard, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's continuing to grow, at least as of this recording, it's continuing to grow and continuing to gain popularity, which I feel like is it's just amazing. Like, uh, yeah, and then Sean Foy was like, if you're wondering the end goal of the deconstruction movement and the church, look no further than former worship leader Derek Webb. Derek Webb is part of this as well. Uh, new collab with a drag queen. You know, that's why truly these are the last days. Like, this is the end goal of deconstruction is to have drag queens lead Turn worship. Turn everyone into drag queens. And I'm, I'm not against this. Like, drag queen worship would certainly, it, I would be engaged. I would be interested. I'd want to go. Like and be higher quality because drag queens just have better taste. Yeah, better, better singing voices, both in like soprano <laughs> and tenor. Like, <laughs> so, so yeah. Move over, Lauren Dangle, Dangle, Dingle. Like what? D- Dangle. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I, don't, I can't. I don't know the names of these people anymore, and I'm so enjoying that I don't know who these people are. Yeah, just like. I, they're more this like is names. God's best for me. They're more like names that I know, but I don't. I can't like put. I can't put like faces with them or or songs or anything anymore, which is fine. I don't know. It's just it's, it's a feel good story. It's like this is this is the people's work here, you know, and and really throwing kind of egg in his face and being like, oh, these are the end days. Fine, we're gonna just usher in the end days and make this a, a bigger song than anything you've put out, Sean. Mm-hmm. And that just that just that feels good. It feels good. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, Sean Foyt is like a fucking character also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like I did not realize this, but his dad, his dad worked for Operation Blessing, which was Pat Robertson's like weird mm-hmm. charity fly in and block all the runways in like, you know, post disaster scenarios with planes that are full of bibles and not food or like medicine <laughs> like wow. that kind of bullshit you know the secondary what is, i don't remember if like what they call it like second the secondary crisis or something like that but there's this whole thing that like christian people are like known for doing in the wake of a massive disaster is like clogging up the entire system with their bullshit mm-hmm. because it's like these people don't need like medical care or food they need the bible they need Jesus in their hearts mm-hmm. and then we can just let them die. Like it's just big mother Teresa energy. Like we're not here to like make anyone feel better physically. We're not here to save lives. We're here to like send people to heaven. We don't want them yeah. here actually. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's weird. He started, so he spent like his whole childhood basically like going on these random ass missions trips and then like went to Oral Roberts university, which I think my sister went there. I <laughs> don't 
Like, I don't even remember. Not a university. This is what happens when you have too many siblings. Probably. It's a step above Trump University, I feel like. I think that they have, I think they're an actual university. Like, I believe that they have an actual, like, accredited nursing program. So it's not a total oh, okay. fraud. Maybe I'm thinking of something um, else then. Yeah, yeah. It is It is a step above Trump University for sure. Okay. At least one step um, above. Mm-hmm. Right. In that, like, the state recognizes it, but the state is Oklahoma. So does that count <laughs> as education? <laughs> we no longer know. Yeah. So that's kind of, like, where he came from. Like, his background is, like, hardcore, charismatic, fundamentalist. Yeah, purity culture, I guess, culture warrior. Like, that was that was the thing. I was like, we need to take the government back for God. Like, that was, he was, he was on, like, ground zero for all of that shit. So, yeah, he very much sees, he very much sees opportunities like this to be antagonistic as a way of, like, waging this righteous war, mm-hmm. I suppose. And it's nice that it backfired for once. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice that it, it, it backfired spectacularly, and it's continuing to backfire. Yes. I hope by the time you hear this, a couple of weeks from now, it's backfiring even more. Like, you know, I wish Flamy Grant and any other drag worship leader all the best. Yeah, we love them. Yeah, 100%. I will oh say... God. I think these are the only worship leaders we like. Yeah, I would say, queens. I would say, you know what? Uh, the um, Second Church of the Drunken Bible exclusively... A drag show, I think. If we were to begin, uh, yeah, official, official, official stamp of approval from our little anti-Bible cult. I don't know, yeah. like Bible, Bible-ish cult. I mean, this Bible is the end point of deconstruction, according to Sir Sean. So, sure, okay, I'm down. Let's do so it. So, if this is the end point, let us bring the end. <sighs> It's it's taken way too long. Have you seen this shit? <laughs> it, won't, it won't it won't end. It won't end. <laughs> Put it out of its misery. <laughs> Please, yes, you just need to close close the book. Be done. Yes, we're finished. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, I think that's where we're gonna leave it. Honestly, for yeah. this week or this month, this day in evangelicalism, this time capsule that's getting sent forward in time. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're going to take a break for some capitalism and then we're going to talk about Stephen and the eternal sunshine of the persecution complex. (laughs) Yes. All right. We'll see you. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody. Thanks for that capitalism. We, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, if you would like to not have um, capitalism breaks, uh, you can join us at patreon.com slash go home Bible. You can join our discord. You can 
uh, also get a life verse and other odds and ends and goodies and things. And you get to join the Second Church of the Drunken Bible as a member. I So of a former guest of ours, uh, Alicia, the transvangelical, transvangelical, was kind of laughing at us the other day. <laughs> on Twitter uh, saying like, we are just like a cult, like you pay us uh, and you can join. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like a paid internship where you pay us for the internship, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you yeah. get uh, to support the show as well as ad free episodes and other odds and ends. So I uh, would really appreciate your support and uh, continue to watch this community grow. So uh, we're going to talk about Steven today. The, the first martyr. The first of many. The first of many. Actual martyrs, typically a tragedy. American martyrs, quote unquote, air quotes, insufferable. Mm. But Justin, why would anyone die for a lie? Because uh, they were lied to. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this ex-Mormon on Twitter the other day. They're like, this is like... Be- Joseph Joseph Smith was killed for his beliefs, and he was like, "I think this is proof that other people may or may not have died believing a lie." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like because uh, like Christians would not call him. Well, evangelicals would not call him a Christian. No. The more I learn about Mormonism, the more I'm like, "Oh no, they're fucking Christians, you guys." Yeah, they're probably more <laughs> Christian than most American Christians, but. That, yeah, that's in terms of like the seriousness with which they take the Bible. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, once you get past the magical underwear and everything, like it's like, oh yeah, they're they take this pretty seriously. Yeah, I think it, it's it's interesting, and we'll we'll get into it. But it's you know, Stephen is a you know again the first martyr killed by Paul. You know, so you know, Paul. <gasps> Paul didn't actually get his hands dirty. Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes, it. that's right. He was just like emotionally responsible or something actually if steven was a woman i think we would call him in the in the narrative of acts we would say he was fridged you know (laughs) okay like because he's introduced as like he's going to be the main character and then he's killed in order to introduce the actual main character this asshole yeah this asshole paul i would have preferred steven but steven was murdered by paul so would have would have preferred almost anyone to be honest Mm mm-hmm yeah. True. So where did where did Stephen come from? Was he like was he around with with Jesus? Was he like kicking it with Jesus at all? I'm gonna just I'm just like gonna post? say yes, he was. Okay. I mean, he's part of I the, mean, the timeline. Shakes out. The timeline shakes out. You know. So yeah, he's kicking it, and you know he he's either an early believer, you know, very early on as things are growing, or he's you know. You know, was in with Jesus at the beginning, but just in a background character didn't make it into the Gospels at all. Um, he's just kind of introduced in Acts chapter six. So Acts chapter six, like what's happened before him? You know, you have you know our favorite Ananias and Sapphira, which you mm-hmm. should check out that episode. It was a great episode. So that you know that's happening, and then you know Peter and and somebody else, Silas, I don't know who Peter and somebody were jailed, and so like things are kind of starting to heat up a little bit. They're getting spicy, you might say. Getting spicy, yeah. So in those days, you know, there were disciples, you know, the disciples were growing in number. And, and who can say if this is true? That's that's actually another thing that's just interesting because you bring up the whole who would die for a lie thing. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these things were being written probably maybe 200 years after the fact. I mean, generously a generation mm-hmm. after the fact. 
Um, so um, weren't weren't Luke and Acts though written like closest to Jesus's death? I mean, it it depends on who you talk to. Um, Chronologically, oh, okay. I feel I like you can reliably date much. it. I mean, the narrative itself. I mean, is Luke an eyewitness putting together notes and things like that? But it's it's yeah, that's a debate. But it's I, okay. I think it's okay. the manuscripts that we have date from way later, and oh, we also right, know that there were edits made in this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. So, and we don't have the original documents, so you kind of have to take it on faith that it's entirely accurate. It's an entirely accurate depiction of what happened anyway. So anyway, all yes. that said there. So actually I, I think Luke, I like Luke because, well, I like Luke because I like to interpret what I call playful Luke, meaning mm. he's got an agenda and it's a little bit subversive and mm. he, but, but he kind of has to like portray the disciples as like these amazing people, the 12, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But he's also the one that portrays the most like bumbling idiots too. So like, I like to think of Luke as like the tongue in cheek kind of like, Oh, the 12, here they come. Here come the 12. Mm, yeah. The people that were just really full of themselves. Cause you get this scene in Acts chapter six where, you know, there's a complaint amongst the Greek speaking Jews and the native Hebraic Jews um, because widows were their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. You know, I mean, this was something that was common in the early church, which was that widows and, and folks that, you know, couldn't necessarily take care of themselves. You know, they were given food every day. And, you know, they, some people were being overlooked and there was, you know, issues. And and so the 12, you know, again, here's that, you know, Luke coming in with his whole, here they go. They called the whole group of the disciples together and said, you know, this is like the called an all hands meeting, which if you've been in a corporate setting, an all hands meeting is never productive or fun. <laughs> so they called this all hands meeting and they're like, hey, um, it's not right for us to neglect the word of God, to wait on tables, you know, like, like basically what happened to the first shall be last and the last shall be first. See, this, this is where I started to be like, I think, I think Luke is doing a little thing here. So basically saying like, Hey, you know, we, we need to, we need to select among you brothers, you know, it's always men, you know, seven men who are well, you know, basically that, that are good at being secretaries and they can manage this stuff, you know, while we focus on, you know, prayer and the, the ministry of the word, things. the important things of the preaching, you know. But he, the interesting thing, though, is the reason why I think Luke is doing a thing is because, like, the action of Acts moves then to these people doing this work. It doesn't stay with the 12. Actually, honestly, most of the 12 kind of drop off after this point. I yeah, mean, that's a good, yeah. You know, Peter kind of jumps you, you back in that. here and there, but for the most part, it's like, Stephen and then and then it's and then it's Saul and then Paul and then you know like I mean Peter jumps back in here and there but it's the action is not is not with these guys anymore the the 12 I mean you never hear about you know most of them again doesn't doesn't Peter jump back in primarily to fight Paul on random shit Mm -hmm. yeah or to be or to be like told the thing that Paul was doing was good you know with the whole like the you can eat any animal you want kind of thing like oh gee thanks like did you ever meet Jesus Hmm? yeah did you follow Jesus around for three years no you didn't know the guy you just ran off to Arabia and then decided to come back and 
you're in charge now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get back in line, son. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So they, they choose seven men. One of them is Steven. And, you know, they, you know, these men stood before the apostles. They prayed, put their hands on them, you know, and the word of God continued to spread. You know, and then it even says this fun little note, like even a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Again, this is one of those things like, is this like advertising line? I don't, you know, is it true? I don't know. Anyway, we'll just assume it's true for the sake of the narrative that a lot of priests are starting to follow Jesus at this point. Starting to follow Jesus' followers. Yes, I should say. That's accurate. Yes. So now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. So this is where it's like, okay, interesting that like, you know, this guy steps forward. I thought he was supposed to be waiting tables. Yes. (laughs) It's like, oh no, he's out here tearing shit up. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, and some men from the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, you know, both Syrians and Alexandrians, as well as some people from other places I'm going to skip over. Uh, they argued Cilicia, with Stephen. Asia. Yeah. All the places. All everywhere. the places. Every, everyone everywhere was there. Arguing with Stephen. Arguing with, because he was just so full <laughs> of grace and power. You know, they they basically instigated some men to say, we have heard this man speaking against Moses. And they incited the people against him. So they approached Stephen, they seized him, they brought him before the council, you know, the whole shebang, you know, like just, you know, which is, which is what, which is the exact same thing that happened the previous chapter with Peter and what's the, what's his face? <laughs> Peter and what's his face? Yeah, I guess I kind of forgot that they had just straight up lied about him. And well, I mean, at least it seems, it seems to me that, you know, if you're out here like, doing doing waging miracles in mm-hmm. the streets like you probably don't have a lot of time to be talking shit about moses yeah i don't know so it it's really it's really strange that they're just like yeah i forgot that it's like oh we somebody heard him blaspheme one time it's like he's surrounded by people it wouldn't be that difficult to suss out whether or not this was a thing that happened mm-hmm. but it's also, it seems like the people who were pushing back against what Stephen was doing had some sort of like political power or connections or proximity. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. And, and so, yeah, they're, they're just, their, their power is being questioned and the power structure is being shaken right. a bit, you know, which I'm always here for, even though if it ends up in Paul, okay. You know, but I'm just, it's, you know, things, things are happening that are causing powerful people to raise questions. And, you know, so people are getting arrested and whatnot. And so the high, you know, the high priest is like, are these things true? And so Stephen's like, this is, you know, chapter seven, you know, brothers and fathers, listen to me, glory of God. You know, he's like, and then he like takes it all the way back to Abraham, you know, like, and I'm not gonna, I mean, it's, it's, it is a interesting sermon sermon, and it's a distillation maybe of what people they thought of the gospel at that time Hmm. yeah that's a good point you know and it makes it a lot more interesting and again it's interesting that luke the author chooses to put these words to into stephen's mouth because they wouldn't have been original to stephen that would have been you know peter would have said these things you know you know this would have probably been something that most people believed but you know stephen is the one that gets to stay them in the history book and you know god has raised up this prophet i mean we could really go into all this but honestly it's just it's it's dense there's just a lot it's this whole big giant chapter yeah 
I am. I do have to say, I was going to make this whole joke about they looked at Steven and his face looked like an angel. And I was going to be like, which means that like one side of his face was a lion and like the other <laughs> side of his face was a ram. And then he had like a bird's face in the middle. And he was covered <laughs> in eyes. And he was covered in eyes. It's just biblical angel shit. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> mm. He yeah. came as Cthulhu. Heaven sounded terrifying to me as yeah. a small child. Yeah, because I'm cause, actually cause do remember trying to be like, like how does how do an, how does an angel's skeleton work? Like, like what? Like when it says face like a ram, like on the side of their head, like is it is it does it does it look good? Does it look deformed? Does this like a uh, I don't you know like what, oh god like oh no does this does this multi faced creature look intentional or is it like a, a freak show? Somebody's just like slopping together the leftover bits. Yeah. During arts and crafts time. Totally. Yeah. That's what that feels that's like. That's what it sounds like to me. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's like we have all these googly eyes left. We'll just put it on the last thing. Yeah. We just need to get rid of them. It's fine. We were supposed to put four eyes on every creature in the world, and we only put two. So we have a lot left over. Um, <laughs> Double the amount of eyes. <laughs> let's Let's create four or five creatures and just put all the eyes on them. Actually, if you think about this, though, this just occurred to me. Maybe this is why I love arts and crafts. But, like, if you think about a fucking, like, whatever fucking disaster is left after you've done, like, a huge, like, arts and crafts project with a preschooler or several preschoolers, whatever you're left with at the end, that's what heaven looks like. (laughs) It's just, like, feathers and glitter and eyeballs and scraps of paper (laughs) and glue stuck to everything. (laughs) I swear to God, that's exactly what that is. It's just, it's just a, it's just a preschool art room is what heaven is. Yep. But, and it's also loud, chaotic. Everyone is talking mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. Cause there's way too many people in there. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's my theory. I like that heaven. I would go to that heaven. Yeah. Arts and crafts heaven is good. So, so, but he, but he lands this, he, he lands it on, you know, this first 51. I mean, again, he goes on for 51 verses. Yeah, but I mean, he lands it like on their fucking faces. Yeah. <laughs> He's not subtle at all. No, like you stubborn people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are always, <laughs> you know, like, which why? I like. I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. I just, why are we circumcising hearts and ears? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would prefer my ear and my heart to remain uncircumcised. <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred my penis to remain uncircumcised too. You know, I didn't have a choice there. Choosers, yeah, I didn't have a choice there. (laughs) So, anyway, so which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? Ouch! They killed those who foretold long ago the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law by decrees given by angels, but you did not obey it. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, he, he puts it in their face. And, and again, yeah. like, if you want to do the whole deconstruction narrative, like, you know, this, this is the moment some of us all crave when we kind of get in front of the people and they're like, and we're like, you didn't mm-hmm. believe this Jesus shit to begin with. So good for you, Stephen. But, yep. you know, when they heard these things, they became furious and ground their teeth at him, which, okay. Um there wasn't a lot of dental coverage, guys. You gotta watch your teeth. Um, <laughs> just the thought of a bunch of people grinding their teeth at me is like makes me want to crawl out of my skin. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so they're mad at him, and Stephen's like, yes. "Hey, I see, I see heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God." And they they covered their ears. They're like, you know, boo, shouting him. You know, they rushed. At, you know, it's like, you know, go away. And you know, then they had driven him out of the city. They began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. You know, so Saul's like, you know. Uh, see, and there, here's the thing: like, you don't. It's not clear, but it seems to me like Saul is the ringleader, and the people that have done the deed are like declaring allegiance to Saul. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, I've I guess I found that part confusing because they're like the witnesses. So in my mind, it's just the people standing around watching are like, "Here's my coat. Mm-hmm. I'll be back." And Saul's, Saul's like standing off in the distance. Yeah, Which, yeah, there is the it's, the way to read it is like they were taking their coats off and Saul. I mean, there's I guess there's there's two ways to read this, and I find them fascinating. One is mm-hmm. that like Saul is kind of the ringleader and they're kind of declaring allegiance to him. Mm-hmm. The other one is like Saul is the coat guy, like literally the coat guy, watching their coats as they pull them off so they don't get them dirty and bloody while they're beating this guy to death with rocks. Like yeah. Like, okay, hey guys, um, you go stone him. I'll I'll hold your coats for you. So, either way, this is how Saul gets introduced in the Bible, or who became later becomes Paul, which is a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I take issue with God even for like naming another per- character Saul. Like, come on, like don't do better, don't do that. Uh, they continued to stone Stephen while he prayed. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Uh, then he fell to his knees and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. You know, because and you see again, like a lot of these like Christ allusions in Stephen, even uh-huh. like, totally. you know, the trial, like his little final sermon is like, you know, don't hold this, you know, so Luke's not really being subtle here either. And then when he said this, he died, you know. Oh, the NIV says he fell asleep. As you do oh, while yes. you're being stoned. Yeah, just, you know, I'm just going to take a nap. Wrong just... kind of stoned, guys. Yeah, that was the other kind. It was not that kind of stoned. I mean, I, I, the youth group jokes of the stoning of Stephen, you know, let's be honest. They 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 put their, they laid out in their clothes to, to, to stone him. Like, we are going to get you stoned, motherfucker. Like... <laughs> But he took a nap. But like, when you think about it, like, like the the casual murder we were all mm-hmm. exposed to as children. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's casual, like unrepentant, mm-hmm. like unremorseful. Just like, oh yeah, this is God's plan. Like, and it's brutal. Like, like it is throwing rocks at someone till they're dead. Like that's brutal. Yeah. That's not efficient. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Give me a good French no. Revolution guillotine any day. <laughs> like truly, truly. Like, that's that's yeah. Efficient. I agree. Relatively quick compared to like I hope they get really strong people to stone me cuz it'll be over faster. <laughs> I don't want a bunch of weak people throwing pebbles at me for hours, you know. Uh yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's not it's it's weird. It's kind of it, and it feels very much like I mean this was something that in the in the like old te- like the American English version of the Old Testament was very evangelicals point to that a lot like all of these verses that are like oh if so and so does this then you're supposed to stone them to death and they're like well we don't do that so you can't complain about the fact that we don't want trans kids to have medicine. We're not trying to stone them to death, even though they should be. Mm -hmm. We just (laughs) 
right? It's like, we're just going to deprive them of healthcare. That's not the same, right? And it's like, because the bar is so low and we were all exposed to this shit as like small children. Yeah. It's not, not psychologically healthy. Like there's a reason that they don't put like dead bodies on the news the overwhelming majority of the time. Like it's fucking traumatizing for people. Mm-hmm. But weird does those are just the stories we were told. It was like, yeah. Yeah. Dead yeah, dude. Whatever. That's fine. I mean, most people like grew up going to church with like some like a sculpture of a dead person on a cross, you know? Right. Like we were just like trained for right. that. It's to not be- it wasn't it wasn't ever risen Jesus. It was dead Jesus. Yeah. It's yeah, I worship necrotic Jesus. Like <laughs> You know, like, well, that's, I mean, it's even interesting too. like, I, I kind of, I remember thinking about this and I think probably college or whatever, trying to be subversive. I was like, the symbol for Christianity should be like the stone they rolled away from the tomb. Like should be like a stylized rock. Come on now. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be afraid of, of the people with power. Why would we want the reminder to be a rock? That doesn't remind anybody of anything. Yeah, but like, yeah, we're going to... I mean, I get it. The cross, it's like, it's... it's. I get it. Like, I get it. It's... Iconic, man. It's iconic. <laughs> I, You know, good branding. Good branding. Better than a rock, you know? But I'm like... But still, it's like the... Like, the it's cross okay. isn't the point. Uh-huh. But for a lot oh of these gosh. people, the cross is the point. Or the being martyred is the point. And I, I think that's maybe where we want to, like, have, like, some of our more discussion is, like... You know, Stephen is the first martyr, you know, yes. he's and again, like, you know, martyrdom for your faith. It is a thing that happens. Uh, I don't necessarily want to minimize it, but it's but also when I look at Stephen, like this whole passage, like he I mean, he has his opportunity. He shoots his shot and I get it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. cathartic to be like, you fuckers don't get it. But it's mm-hmm. also like there was probably a diplomatic way to handle this that wouldn't have got him killed. And then he could have continued to serve widows and orphans, mm. you know, like, yeah, I, I feel like there is a lack of strategy when it comes to the mm. whole martyrdom complex. Like, like, you know, like I could stick around and I could do a lot more good alive than dead, but the history books will remember me if I really shoot my shot. You know, mm-hmm. or if I say agitating things like I was, yeah, you'll see these guys on Twitter a lot and you'll see them in churches and stuff, you know, like I speak the truth and the truth is offensive. So if you're offended by me, you're just offended by the truth, you know, but it's just like, like that. I mean, that that's, that is a fantastic hedge against criticism. Like your ego has done a good job of shielding you from yeah. any, any kind of pushback. Until you get offended by something, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, so well, that's you know, the black Lord. Lives do matter? The Lord offended me. It, the Lord is being offended. Yeah, you know, it's the Lord. I'm just, I'm just offended on behalf of the Lord. Yeah. So I'm gonna go through Target, and I'm gonna like, you know, scare gay kids in Target for throw the Lord. displays over. <laughs> throw displays over because God's offended. Because God, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. just it's weird. Like, I mean, because you know, Christianity is kind of. I mean, maybe not always, but it, it, persecu- the, a persecution complex kind of is embedded in the narrative. You know, uh-huh. Jesus was persecuted and killed. 
you know, and and yeah. the early Christians were persecuted and killed and chased. And I mean, and that's how the gospel spread was they were it was this diaspora and 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 that kind of like mirrors and slash maybe takes away from the Jewish diaspora as well. So which was also kind of a part of the biblical narrative. So like this this whole idea of like we are an oppressed people, we are persecuted people, we are gonna get rounded up and killed. Like that's kind of there from day one. And so like, I mean, I mean, again, we were exposed to this as kids, the idea that like people kill Christians. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I just, I think it's really unhealthy to have no actual frame of reference for, you know, what real persecution Mm -hmm. looks like. Yeah. Right. That like other people existing who don't have the same, you know, because that's where we're at at this point is like other people existing who don't have the same like values that I have or that I claim to have. I don't actually have to practice them. I just have to like say the right things. That's that's persecution. Mm-hmm. Right. That that And and they're being a lot more open with this now in, in just blatantly saying like I'm being persecuted because there are queer people in this community who might want to like give me their money in exchange for a good or service. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's their idea of persecution. Right. Which I think for, for starters is just fucking laughable. Like any of the, any of these martyrs that they, you know, lionize would fucking laugh in their faces. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you kidding me right now? But I also think it's just, it's, I think it's really emotionally and like psychologically unhealthy i think it like completely destroys any ability to actually be resilient because again it's like you think that your neighbor is persecuting you by living next to you and having a rainbow flag on their porch like that is your idea of persecution Mm -hmm. like you are a fragile flower baby like i don't even know what to do with (laughs) with that right but and I also think that it's because it's kind of like the kickoff of Paul's story, and they're like, I mean, everybody loves like a comeback kid story, right? But I think that this like Paul's like complete one eighty is also really appealing to them, and like they kind of love, they kind of worship. They love a bad boy. Paul in a lot of they way. love a bad boy. Well, they yeah. I think who's that's, being I, bad on their behalf? Yeah, I I kind of think that's why they like Trump so much. Like, yeah. like he's a he's a good testimony story even though he has no testimony they're like he will he will have a good testimony story one day you know i mean look at him he's a mess uh-huh. that testimony uh-huh. is going to be great we got to vote for him just to see this testimony you know oh my God. like yeah so mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's you know and trump is perpetually in act one of his life um of his arc <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just I see um, a lot of this stuff is yeah, it just it, it, it's it's a manifestation of the ways that a lot of these high control religions infantilize you, and mm-hmm. and uh, you you don't learn emotional resiliency. Or it's actually I should say this: you don't learn emotional resiliency around a certain set of issues, like because mm-hmm. I, I know people that are very emotionally resilient in their jobs. And even when they show up to their families, like they're not necessarily these flower snowflake, you know, fragile snowflakes everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But then there there are certain things where it's just like, 
yeah, specific issues. You like you have no ability to even think rationally about this. Like you, right. you've been completely, you know, and that's, and, and yeah. we noticed, I noticed this a lot in church leadership circles. There would be like these people that were, were businessmen, like successful small business owners or just, you yeah. know, people yeah. that were successful in the community. And then, you know, we would kind of hire them onto the board to like be, you know, hire them, vote them onto the board. Like, you know, like you, you are, you are, you have a good head on your shoulders. Maybe you should help mm. run things. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But then they get in those positions and then you're like, the, they almost like some of them, not all of them, but I'm thinking of a right. few, like they almost become idiots, <laughs> you know, hmm. like right. or maybe they always yeah. were, but it's just this odd, like, like when you step into this religious sphere, there's like different assumptions and there's different like things that make you like behave differently. <laughs> and it's almost like you left yeah. your reason at the door in order to be like, we got to get gay people, you know? <laughs> The gay yeah, agenda I mean, is coming I, to get us. I think that that's, I think that's true. And I think that it, I mean, I think it really does tie directly back to like emotional resiliency in, in this specific area. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call, you know, my, my parents, for example, I would not, they were very strong, like authoritarian parents. I would not call them emotionally resilient by any stretch of the imagination because they couldn't, they had no ability to tolerate any kind of, anything like anything that was not expected they, they had there was no flexibility there was no compassion or grace it was all just this incredibly rigid and it looked very put together from the outside but you know i, I would not in, in, i wouldn't describe rigidity as, as emotional resilience hmm. necessarily i think in some circumstances maybe it could be but i think specifically talking about like evangelicals you know i think that there's this what you said about like they kind of become idiots in certain circumstances like that makes perfect sense to me right because if your your nervous system is activated you literally your prefrontal cortex is like in low in low power mode Mm -hmm. right like you don't have access to like your long-term planning you don't have access to like self-regulation like all of these things that you need to like sit down and make good decisions that's like out the window if your nervous system is activated, right? And so I think that, yeah, when for a lot of these folks, like abortion is is an issue that like activates their nervous mm-hmm. system. And I'm not saying that that's exclusively true for evangelicals because that is not the case at all. There are plenty of like liberals who have never, like never stepped foot in a church who also get very activated around issues like queer kids and, and abortion. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that it is, it is worth noticing, I think, <laughs> that like, yeah, when your nervous system gets activated, you were not thinking clearly. You were not, I don't know, you're not sending your best self <laughs> to mm-hmm. borrow from Trump. Yeah. Um, like, the, the work that you can do in that space becomes very limited. And this is, you know, it, it ties back to everything and we see it everywhere. Like, some people are terrible at taking tests. Again, it's just because like your nervous system is activated. It's not because you're stupid. You're not actually an idiot or incapable of like executive function in a lot of cases. Very frequently, it's just like your amygdala is like, hey, okay, it's my turn now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm in charge. Yeah. And just I'm like hijacks now. everything. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it's like, well, fuck. Like, I have to find a way to re-regulate. And a lot of them, like, I mean, at least in evangelicalism, I didn't, I don't know anyone who was taught 
how to regulate no, not at <laughs> your all. nervous no. system. Well, because that nervous um, system activation is seen as the Holy Spirit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I am yeah. fired up about this. I, yeah. you know, and, and like, like the whole, I think it was Elijah or Elisha or Ezekiel or something. Maybe it was Ezekiel. Like the whole passage, like set my face like Flint. Like I, mm. I refuse to, to back down my position. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm literally hard nosed about this, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. I should say figuratively hard nosed, but the, anyway, whatever. Um, flight, freeze the peas. Like those are kind of your options. Yeah. You know? Um, and so like, like, yeah, it, it, it begins to start making sense. Like I, I, and then it's like, well, yeah, not making a cake for a gay person is, is the hill I'm going to die on, you know? Right. And it's like, right. that doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, and, you, there's and this- I will say that the, the liberals and leftists too, just so the leftists don't totally. feel like I'm just talking about liberals. Like I just, you know, like have yeah, their things no, too. All, absolutely. You know, I think, yeah, we all do. We all have them. And I think, I think when you can bring, uh, I, but what I think happens in, in these more conservative movements and in the movements we grew up in and in conservatism, I think in Christianity more broadly is like mm. there, you don't interrogate that because that's holy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. that inability to think about it is, is seen as clarity and, and it is a certain amount of clarity. Like, I mean, I have some situations recently where like anger is clarifying and feels mm-hmm. good and feels empowering. You mm-hmm. know, it's not productive. Right. It's not efficient right. or it is efficient, I should say, but it's not productive. It's not good for long term, but it, it can feel that way. So I, I get it. Yeah. But it's it's yeah. But then like you you tie in this whole like martyrdom complex where it's like I'm being persecuted and everywhere I go like it, you, you're never gonna mm-hmm. think about it clearly because that feeling right. of being persecuted is like that's not insecurity that's God. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, Stephen's a good guy, but he just didn't need to die because he was radicalized. <laughs> Right. It's like, no, I guess that's all that to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that I think that might be true. I don't remember a lot of the story, the specific stories about like Christian martyrs, but I think that that might be true for more than just Stephen, I'll say. Yeah. I And I do remember thinking that as a kid being like, why wouldn't I just deny Jesus? Like, and keep preaching the gospel. And then, yeah, and then just turn around and preach the gospel. Like, what, like, like, doesn't, or I could ask for forgiveness later. And then, like, my family isn't out a dad, you know, right. for something that right. honestly, like, kind of feels silly. Like, and I, it, it, <laughs> totally. And I mean, when you think about the fact that, like, I mean, if we're talking about just as an example, like Christians being persecuted in, like, Iran just throwing that out there, not trying to demonize Iran necessarily. Um, Cause they, they persecute plenty of Muslims too. Um, yeah. for not being Muslim enough. Equal opportunity. But, right? <laughs> yeah. They're equal opportunity haters. They're not acting in good faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you're talking about, like if you're talking about, if you're talking about a, a government that is persecuting Christians, believers, some sect of, of religious folks, those institutions are not acting in good faith. Like I don't, mm. you don't owe them anything. 
you yeah. don't owe them the truth. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you don't. Yeah. It's like a bad boyfriend that you're a girlfriend that you're like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set boundaries and I'm going to just going to take time and work with them. And I'm going to just be super honest and transparent. Like that's good. When you're in a good relationship, that's a great yes. thing to do when you're uh-huh. in a terrible or abusive relationship where you're like with a liar, like that, I mean, you can try and, and you can <laughs> hold your head up high to be like, I did my best, but it will right. not be successful. Right. Cause at the end of the day, you're with an asshole. So, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that, that we're trained to give our best. We're trained to give on, you know, honesty, no matter what, you know, if, if, if being a Christian was outlawed, would there be enough evidence to convict? Well, by God, I better make a lot of public evidence, you know, and Which is just like shitty Facebook posts. Yeah. But, but realistically, <laughs> when it comes to like power and governments persecuting you, if you're just like Joe Schmo, like taking care of widows and orphans, like who happens to be a Christian, probably going to fly under the radar and continue to do good work. It's only, right. when, you know, it's only when you step out right. and step up. And there are times to do that. Certainly. I'm not saying never do that, but yeah, absolutely. It, it, but I mean, I think that this is like, this is a perfect example, right? Like these people were literally colluding to lie about Steven, mm-hmm. right? It was not a good faith effort. Mm-hmm. Like, he could have just been like, get fucked. I didn't say anything about Moses. Here are 800 people who have been listening to me talk in the temple. Go ask all of them. Yeah. I was not. I was not shitting on your dad. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love Moses. <laughs> right. Know, exactly. Other than like, like, I love Moses more than all of you put together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here's how much I love Moses, you know, but, but yeah, he's like, well, I got to shoot my shot. I'm here. Right. And yeah, it's like, I honestly, it was, it was a big part of my deconstruction where it was like, yeah, why would God require me to die? Like Jesus already did, by the way. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that shit. Not sufficient. And it wasn't enough. <laughs> and I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't know if you've seen the movie Silence um, before. Um, it's it's not ringing a bell. It is a fantastic film, as in like the film is good. I will not say it's a fantastic uh-huh. film to sit and enjoy because it watch? is not enjoyable. Um, it's. <laughs> It's Adam Driver and James Garfield, uh, Liam Neeson. They're missionaries to Imperial Japan at a time when Imperial Japan was like, we've let too many of these Christians in and they're destroying our culture. So <laughs> as they are wont to do as, as Christians are wont to do. And it's, 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 it's a well done movie, but if you want to see it and don't want to be spoiled, uh, I guess fast forward 30 seconds, but. There's a moment where he's asked to, I think, spit on and step on an image of Jesus, you know, as if to deny Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole movie, he's struggling with the silence of God. Like, why can't I? He can't hear God, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And the time the the time he hears God is basically God telling him, like, it's okay, just step on me. I I can. Mm-hmm. Ta- I don't know mm-hmm. the exact quote, but it's like I can take it. It's it's like yeah, it's not a big deal. <laughs> And, and so it's just like that in a lot of ways that movie and a lot of other things in my life sealed it. Like if God is so insecure that he's going to make me die. So, that, you know, like that's no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I will say, yep. Not a Christian. You got me. And then I yeah. go home. Right. And continue living my right. life. 
No, and I think, man, that, I think that's such a good point because, you know, you're talking about how when they're, you know, you're talking about how like evangelicals specifically when they're in these spaces or it's just like, oh, every time I leave the house, I'm being persecuted. And then talking about like, well, people wouldn't, who would die for a lie, right? But I think, again, Stephen is like kind of an acute example of if your nervous system is fucking activated, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're not making rational choices. Mm-hmm. So like, of course, you would die for a lie if that's how like radicalized you were. Because mm-hmm. you're not using your brain. Your brain, your upstairs brain is offline. Mm-hmm. Like, and honestly, I think, left the building. I think people would rather die for a lie than live, mm. you know, Acknowledge the fact that they were wrong. And acknowledging they were wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not, I'll say that about myself too. Like acknowledging that you were wrong, it's hard. That takes a lot of calories. It's brutal. (laughs) Right? It takes a lot. Yes, it does. (laughs) It's a lot easier to just like get stuck in your own position and never grow. Um, Mm -hmm. But grow we must. So, yeah. um, I think we covered it. I think so. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, grow, grow. We must. That's where I'll leave it. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So don't be like Paul or Steven. <laughs> we could end every single podcast. Don't be like Paul. Yep. All right. Yes. Indeed. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I uh, appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, check us out on the socials at Go Home Bible or at Justin D. Gentry or Tour Glass. We'd love to talk with you, hang out with you some more. Uh, Patreon.com slash Go Home Bible for all the fun stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.